So where do you draw that fine line between pumping all that extra energy into stuff and, you know, the big yellow buttons with the red circles around it and the arrows pointing at it and, <laughs> and you're, you know, you've turned into a douchebag. Where's that? Where do you, where do you <laughs> well, draw that line? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good question. And Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about how to design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. You can find out all the tips, tactics, and techniques you need to get more customers and sell more stuff over at theactivemarketer.com. Now, here's your host, Barry Moore. Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about all things sales funnels and marketing automation. I'm your host, Barry Moore. I've been getting in a lot into copywriting lately, and I've been really enjoying a new copywriting podcast by copywriter Kevin Rogers called The Truth About Marketing. So I thought I'd have Kevin on the show. Kevin's got a really interesting background. Used to be a stand-up comedian uh, and then turned to copywriting uh, a few years back and now runs a copywriting community called Copy Chief. So I wanted to learn more about copywriting, so who better to talk to than Kevin Rogers? And let's get into this week's episode all about how you can do copywriting the right way. All right, I'd like to welcome to the show Kevin Rogers, copywriter extraordinaire and the chief in copychief.com. Kevin, welcome. Thanks, Barry. It's good to be here. Kevin, I'm really excited to have you on the show. You've got a new podcast, and I've uh, already ripped through all the episodes and uh, eagerly looking forward to the next one, The Truth About Marketing. What kind of prompted you to to start your own podcast? Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I've always loved the format. I, I'm sort of addicted to a hot mic <laughs> <laughs> uh, since, you know, I uh, started stand-up comedy when I was 18 years old and uh, was very fortunate to have a steady gig for about a year and a half. So I spent, you know, six nights a week uh, talking into a microphone and it really does become, I think a bit of an addiction. Sometimes I see like famous people or, or, or you know, like politicians who, even though they're getting say like, you know, a hundred K or 200 K a speech, you're going, you, you don't need that money. <laughs> Why don't yeah. you go relax? You know, yeah. I think they're just really addicted to the sound of their, ma- their voice magnified uh, <laughs> yeah. in some way. Uh, so I, you know, I've always loved it. I've done some radio shows uh, with a friend of mine. Uh, we had a show, we used to buy airtime on a local station. We had a show called um, the Inside Joke Show. And it was sort of uh, ahead of its time because there's so many comedy channels on satellite radio and stuff now that are much like, you know, we were doing a produced bits, you know, comedy, um, sketches and stuff. And then we were interviewing comics. It was great fun. So I love it all, man. I love, you know, if I could wake up every day and do nothing but focus on, uh, podcasting and audio and and video, I would love that. That that's sort of my dream is like, can I just be a goof (laughs) and enjoy conversations with people and, 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 you know, uh, have that be my gig. I think that's, uh, that's the victory. Yeah, it's certainly a pretty cool medium, and it's a great way to, to reach people. And obviously, you're a natural at it from your, your background in stand-up comedy. So obviously, you transition from people who don't necessarily know your story. You, you transition from stand-up comedy to copywriting a while back. How long ago was that? Yeah, uh, I spent about a decade in each profession. So uh, the actual transition happened right around turn of the century there. I think I officially stopped 
you know, going on the road as a com. I lived on the road, you know, as a comic for about seven or eight years, and I made the conscious decision to stop traveling as a as a comic in around 1998. Uh, and I got married in 1999. Those things certainly went hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. The ability to have a wife and not uh, live in motel sixes, um, and uh, it was you know an awkward transition. Uh, to be sure, because I was completely unhirable. Uh, I think I still am, still am proudly unhirable now that I've created my own gig, you know. That's right. <laughs> but uh, it was very awkward to try to get jobs with no resume. You know, I can really you know, empathize with people who just don't want to work a normal gig out in the world and be told when to be somewhere and where to sit and how much money they can earn. And, but, or going, but what else do I do? I don't want to be broke. I don't want to deal drugs. <laughs> what, do we, what do I do? Uh, and thankfully we live in a time now where it's, I don't say it's easy to do, but the barrier to marketing a uh, value skill or discovering how you can earn money for doing something you love is, uh, is, you know, pretty low compared to, years past when you would have literally had to hang out a sign somewhere to have people know that you're in business. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so that transition for you, you know, I've seen you, I've seen you work from stage. So I know you've got the comedy chops, but we really wanted to get you on to talk about your copywriting chops and uh, spend some of your time sharing some copywriting skills with a listener. So I think most of our listeners, you know, would have their own business or are trying to start their own business, as you said, and get it off the ground. And are mm-hmm. looking to implement, you know, some email marketing, marketing automation, and, and copywriting into their business, and don't necessarily have the skills. And a lot of things I, you know, the internet seems to be one of those places where, yes, you can get a legitimate business off the ground pretty easy, but you can get a whole lot of snake oil salesmen, illegitimate type, type businesses off the ground pretty easy as well. So right. you got tons of people peddling the peddling the, you know, this is the magic button for success online. You just got to do this one thing, and everything's going to work out fine. And you're going to make tons of cash. But I think the guys who are really successful seem to be just sticking to the tried and true kind of direct response methods from the golden era of, you know, postal mail. Would you say that's mm-hmm. a fair statement? Um, yeah, I would say that's a fair statement. I, I might add one caveat to that is that it just comes down to the value of what you're selling true. and your your intentions behind it, right? So, uh, you know, because I've seen both things. I've seen high quality uh, products marketed in a a, a hypey way that's a real turnoff and, and, you know, have it misrepresented that way just because the marketer, for whatever reason, felt like that's how you sell stuff. Uh, And then I've also seen, uh, you know, stuff that wasn't quite as good and marketed skillfully. uh, And, it takes longer sometimes for people to figure out that they've been duped in a sense because yeah. the marketer seems so trustworthy. Um, uh, so it's really starts with, you know, how much do you believe in the value of what you sell? And so when I teach copywriting, Barry, uh, the first step, and you know, this is not the sexiest thing to do to lure, you know, people into my world of here's how you, uh, here's how you write copy because everybody wants a quick fix. Right. But it really does start with the, with the research and understanding 
you know, yourself, your product and your customer, your best prospect. And, uh, the good thing, the good news is for any small business owner, they're the best one to organize the material for a copywriter. And for that, I created a thing I called the question authority worksheet. It's a series of questions that when you uh, indulge in the process of answering them, it really lays out exactly what you need to share with your best prospects so that they can understand what you're offering and get excited about it. And uh, that seems like the simplest thing in the world, but it's very easy to lose touch with that as a business owner for a couple of reasons. One is that we are so close to our product that we forget uh, its nucleus and why we were inspired to create it and who it's really for. We get, you know, caught up in the the day to day stuff of, of of running a business, and uh, we, we get sort of used to dealing with our existing customers, and we forget how little somebody might know about what we're offering them in order to make it crystal clear exactly what it is and why they should be excited. Right. Yeah. And uh, another problem is that, you know, the people, sometimes we run out of new people to tell about it. Right. (laughs) Because so much of what we do is online. Uh, The people in our lives don't want to hear this crap anymore. Right. Like your spouse does not she knows all about it, uh, or he knows all about it. And so that, you know, you don't kind of want to bore them with, with it again. And so, but you'll notice when you do get it in front of somebody who's a perfect prospect, almost accidentally say at a cocktail party or, or something, um, uh, or even a stranger you meet at, at, um, uh, you know, a coffee house or something. And you, you, you get excited all over to tell them about it. You see them get excited all over about it. And you think, man, if I could just bottle this moment and turn this into my sales pitch, then I'd, I'd be set. And that is what you need to do. And that is quite possible to do uh, uh, because, you know, copywriting is really just a transfer of information and enthusiasm about what you're, what you're selling. And so, you know, I recommend to people um, if they ever do live pitches, say, you know, over Skype or on a phone, you know, record those those pitches or those question and answer sessions uh, and have those transcribed. And that's the, the nucleus of your copy right there, because it's the real genuine stuff. Yeah, that's brilliant. That certainly rings true with me. I know my wife does not want to hear about any more marketing automation nonsense. <laughs> But, um, but it's exactly true. Like if, if I meet somebody and they ask me a couple of questions and I get all excited and I, you know, half an hour later, I'm still talking about stuff and you've got to get the, the, yeah. big, the big hook and pull me off stage and stop assaulting <laughs> people with what, all the great things they can do. Um, so it's certainly a process that I need to go. So how does that kind of process start? Well, like I said, it starts with questions. So, and that's why I, I use the word indulge very specifically for that reason you know, because you need to give yourself permission to take something like the question authority worksheet and say, okay, I'm locking the door, uh, phones off. I I am, I am unavailable to the world right now, uh, while I go through this. And then 
you know, you want to work yourself up as if you're having one of those great conversations and you're just answering questions, but they're not just questions about, okay, uh, what are all the features of your product? You know, it's more about, you know, what, 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 what do you love? What's the first thought that hits your brain in, in on most mornings? Uh, you know, what, what makes you angry? You know, what, if you could wave a magic wand and, change one thing about, you know, uh, life uh, in, in society, what would it be? These kinds of things that might not make it into the copy directly because it, it may not just be uh, necessary or appropriate for what you're selling, but it's really important that you bring that back to the surface and because every bit of that, you know, uh, that part of you is a part of your product and, and that is what will resonate, you know, through the computer screen. You know, there's a fascinating thing that happens when you, uh, you know, start a conversation like right now, Barry, you're in Australia and I'm here in Florida and you and I are having a conversation, but we're, we're, we're live interacting, right? So we can feel each other's energy all the way across the world here. Yeah. Uh, but something happens when you are, it's a one-sided conversation. So for instance, uh, where I learned this was, I used to do these news, uh, we do these little rants for a Sunday morning news program here locally. And uh, I had to get used to looking into a, a big you know, TV news camera, big cold lens and read a teleprompter. And the guy who was the broadcaster who invited me to do these said to me, listen, uh, you need to go big because what feels over the top to you standing here is going to only come across as sort of normal conversation on the other side. The camera is going to eat up a good, you know, 45% of all the energy you shoot into it right. before it spits it out into somebody's living room, right? And so it's the same with sales copy. You've got to go big and, and, and you know, go over the top because you can always back it down later in editing. But if you start out, in mid range, it's going to come out really flat on the other side. Mm -hmm. So you need to indulge in this process of bringing yourself through, through these questions. What am I passionate about? Why does this matter? Why the hell should the person reading this message or seeing this video stop what they're doing and pay close attention to what I'm saying? You know, what promise do I need to make them? Cause the first thing they can pay you is their attention before they'll ever become a customer. Yeah, very cool. So where do you draw that fine line between pumping all that extra energy into stuff and, you know, the big yellow buttons with the red circles around it and the arrows pointing at it and, <laughs> and you're, you know, you've turned into a douchebag. Where's that? Where do you, where do you <laughs> well, draw that line? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good question. And, and that's, well, then it's a matter of personal taste, I think, at that point, right? You hopefully have some kind of radar in place that makes you go, uh, that's pretty distasteful. I, I hate when I see that. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't do it on my site because you know what, you know, it can happen incrementally. It's almost like a drug habit or something. It's like, you know, what am I, why am I addicted all of a sudden? I just did it occasionally on the weekends before. Um, you know, it's like, you know, especially if you're testing and you say, okay, I heard that, you know, orange, uh, order now buttons work better than green ones. So let me try that. Ooh, that worked a little. Oh, now I read somewhere that if you put a red arrow pointing at it, it, oh, look, it did convert a little bit. And next thing you know, like you said, you got blinking lights and crap all over your page and you look like a, 
like a real, you know, sort of cheese ball. Uh, so you have to, well, that's where it also helps to have good people around you who will <laughs> yeah. point out, so, hey, you know, like what's really, in, what message are you sending here? So it's not always about conversions at the end of the day. And part of that, what will guide you there is really understanding your best customer. You know, are they drawn to sort of that sh- big, shiny promise of, of quick riches? Uh, is, is that the kind of customer you want in your world? You know, um, like with Copy Chief, I know that I, I'm underselling it, like terribly underselling it. And I look at some of my people I could consider uh, competitors or, or peers. And, you know, uh, these people sell really hard. And every message they put out, there's always a number involved, some, some big, awe-inspiring yeah. dollar figure. And I just think, you know, that's my gauge, Barry. Is like, yeah. I, if I catch myself saying, oh, I've got to add some uh, dollar yeah. signs into this copy or else people aren't going to convert. For me, that's, that's when I need to probably do a little head check and say, have I lost my way? And you know what? Here's the thing. I'm not criticizing those people because I think there's a valid excuse in the idea that, look, you're paying me to help you market your stuff and I'm marketing hard to you and you should just be learning from what I'm doing. Uh, if you like it and you're buying, then ask yourself, what am I doing to make you buy? And if you ask me, I'll probably tell you because that's what you're paying me for. Yeah. Or if you're if you're turned off by it, ask yourself why. And now you found your line in the sand. Right. But I'm just not the kind of guy who's comfortable constantly framing everything around money. I, I'd like to feel like I could help people also create that fits their lifestyle as well as earns them good money. Yeah. You know, and I think. You're right. It's 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 got to come back to being genuine to to who you are and what your message is and who you're trying to sell to. I think you know that. Every time I see one of those, you know, I made ten thousand seven hundred eighty-two dollars and seventeen cents while I was eating a cheese sandwich. Kind of. <laughs> right. I I just instantly turn off from that because you know. That's what I do too. I yeah, I just ignore it when I see the dollar figure because I just think, well, now I know the agenda immediately. Yeah. And sure. it's not that not that interesting to me. Um, one of the things I think is unique about the way you teach copywriting over at Copy Chief is that, you know, I, I love good copywriting. I love seeing it. I love an elegant wordsmith who can, you know, really nicely craft um, copy or even just audio, you know, listening to your podcast. Um, you did, a, I can't remember what episode number it was, maybe three or something where it was a relatively short one, but it was you just eloquently talking about a specific subject and you could tell you put some thought into it. And um, But what I love about the, the way you teach copywriting is it can be an intimidating thing for someone like myself, who's not a copywriter, but you kind of break mm-hmm. it down to almost that fill in the blank kind of thing. Um, you know, that 60 second sales hook, that formula that, that really um, makes it simple for someone who's maybe a little intimidated by uh, the black art right. of copywriting to get started. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I would say that's, uh, I discovered almost by accident that I had an ability to help people get fast wins with short copy and actually have fun creating it. Yeah, you do. Make, I, you make it fun. That's that's that's. Really yeah, fun. I think I think it needs to be fun. Like sort of like I was talking about before. Like you need to feel that passion, and you know the best pitches you'll ever give in your life are the ones where there's some laughter in between, or, you you know, you're really connecting with somebody and you're sharing, you know, intimate moments and truths and transparency and some laughter. 
Like that's nothing feels better in life than, you know, those elements of a conversation. And uh, so if I could have somebody even sitting there quietly alone and sort of having a smile on their face as they fill out these formulas, then that's going to, you know, uh, resonate in the copy and, and, and give them the best results. Uh, and it really helps that I do have this background as a stand-up comic because, uh, you know, comedy is a formulaic uh, art form. Now, you, you know, we, we used to use that term negatively in, in both industries. It, it can be seen as negative, like especially in comedy to say, oh, God, he, you know, he's so formulaic, meaning uh, the jokes were predictable. But again, what I sort of realized as I matured was it, it's not about the formula. It's about what you put into it. Yeah. You know, every artist starts with the same canvas, right? It's just how do they color it? And you think about music. You know, I love the blues, uh, blues-based rock, classic rock. And you look at so many great songs that live in the same exact chord structure but sound nothing alike. You know, the the way uh, Jimmy Page plays, um, uh, a, you know, um, 12 bar blues progression compared to how uh, Keith Richards plays it is the difference between how those songs make you feel. And it's the same for writing your copy. It's intimidating when you don't know where to begin. Like the, the scary part is that blinking cursor on that yeah, blank yeah. word doc. And you go, ah, I don't even know where to begin. And so then the next mistake you make is you, um, you start at the top because that's where you start. Anything is at the top and you know that the headline goes at the top uh, and you really not, your ad's not ready for a headline in the beginning. You know, most great headlines come from somewhere in the body copy or what we call the bullets often make for the best headlines. So you, you just throw that pressure off yourself immediately of coming up with the perfect headline because it'll most likely emerge once you get deeper into the copy. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really like giving people formulas that, you know, easy tasks that give big wins and just let them prove to themselves, wow, I can do this. I do have everything I need to sell my product well already inside my head because I'm the person who created this and lives with it every day. Now I just need to take a step back from it, look at it new again and have start, you know, just fill out this formula almost like a Mad Lib where, you know, all you got to do to be funny in a Mad Lib is give a noun, give a verb, give an adjective. Yeah. And suddenly you've made comedy, right? It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, cool. And I think you're right. I think formula gets a bad rap. But I mean, if you look at any story, the, the hero's journey is pretty much in every big story or every movie you've probably ever seen. But, you know, yeah. there's a big difference between Star Wars and, you know, some Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie. But it's, a, it's essentially the same formula, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah totally. Exactly right. And and if you're just starting out, you got to need some sort of framework to get started. So I think automation gets a bad rap as well because everyone thinks it's cold. And But if you use it the right way, if you use it to automate your human touch points with your customers and your clients, mm -hmm. like, you know, oh, and now's mm -hmm. the time to reach out to Kevin because he just looked at this page or he's just consumed this product. So give him a call or send him an email personally or whatever. So it's not, it's not the tool or it's not the formula. It's not the frame. Right. It's going to be what you put into it. Exactly. Right. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it seems like every day there's a new technology or there's a new whiz bangery coming down the track. 
And a lot of the time you hear people talking about the differences in Generation X, Generation Y, the millennials, and how do you market to all these people who are so dramatically different? So how do you see this kind of stuff applying in the future where, where everything's changing so rapidly? Are all the techniques and tactics relatively stable the same, or do we need to adapt them for different you know, generations and different devices and different lifestyles? Yeah, that's a good question. And we, we absolutely do, and probably now more than ever, in direct response. Um, now, you know, uh, it's interesting because when we think of classic direct response, it's, it's the mail and it's the publications. So it started, you know, way back with just ads in magazines or, or you know, periodicals and then into the mailboxes. And, uh, and now, you know, mail is still a huge, huge business. Uh, but the, you know, those, I think, um, uh, those mediums will eventually wane over time when you just consider that, you know, the millennials don't read newspapers. They don't buy magazines quite as much. Uh, they get all their information from a screen and they're used to instant gratification. And it's so when you consider those elements, you just have to know that you know, you have to adjust to the medium. Uh, And, you know, millennials, uh, people born between 1981 and 1997 are going to make up 50% of the workforce, you know, in the next, by the year 2020. And so that's a huge chunk of the market uh, and $1.4 trillion industry. And it's critical that we start figuring out now how to meet those prospects, you know, where they live. Right. Because again, it's, you know, like right now you can send out a link to a VSL or, you know, video sales letter or a sales page in even your emails and expect to get read, but it's not, it's going to be different. You know, if people are, you know, nobody's going to probably consume an entire video sales letter, uh, 20, 30 minute sales letter on, on their phone. And even if they do, it's very likely that they're going to go through the ordering process of typing in all that information on their phone. And so you, you know, at, at minimum, we realize it's, it's a multi-step process to get the same sale that we can maybe get with just a simple email right now, you know? And do you find, you know, most of your clients or the people you work with, are they moving away from kind of the sales letter based text copy to more video? Is there kind of a defined split between, you know, VSL and the traditional kind of text-based sales letters? Uh, you know, I wouldn't say there's a, a, a defining line just yet. In fact, you know, I had a guy come to me recently who still just didn't understand the video sales letter thing at all, <laughs> which felt strange, but he spent his entire life in, in mail and still does and does very well. So he doesn't really need to understand it necessarily. But it's it's interesting to meet somebody who's still hesitant about the idea of video. Most people, you still need the text version. So if you're creating a video sales letter for your offer and you're using a format where that's the only thing on the page, there's no pause buttons, things like that. But I think you pretty much have to have pause buttons now on most stuff. But that's another kind of big yellow button douchebag tactic to take away, yeah. take away all the player control. Yeah, that's that's finally kind of going away. And the other thing is on phones, 
I don't think they've found a way yet to take away the controls, yeah. right? So, you know, if you do click on to watch a video on your phone, you're going to see how long it is. You're going to have controls. So it makes a lot more sense to make it controller friendly <laughs> than, again, try to, you know, trap people. Uh, but um, uh, I forget what we were uh, saying. I was just wondering if, if it's really, if there's really a migration from text-based sales letters to video sales letters, because All right. I've just noticed kind of in the last, I don't know, six, 12 months, you know, if I go to a web page, especially when it's someone who's kind of personality based, like, you know, yourself, you go to your site or you go to my site or you go to someone who's basically, they are their business or they have a product that's even remotely uh, complex. If there's not a video there, you kind of like, uh, you know, it's almost, right. it's almost an expected thing now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It is an expected, it's, like you said, and especially if you uh, are representing your product as yourself yeah. uh, or even showing video examples of stuff. It's just much more dynamic experience. And, you know, but the other, but you always want to have a text version available. One mistake people make is they rely too much on video. Like if you watch any video sales letter, and by that, I mean, uh, you know, that's the primary user experience because the reason we love video as copywriters is we get to control the pitch again. If somebody does watch it in real time and we can do our job to keep them engaged enough to sit through 20 minutes and, and really feel compelled, then that's a huge win for us because we know with text-based sales copy, people are skimming around. Uh, it's just almost impossible not to. Uh, and so we, we have very little control over how they actually consume the information. And so it's the equivalent of giving a face-to-face, -face, you know, pitch at like a rock concert or something. <laughs> It'd be really difficult to make that connection. But, you know, you always want to have a text version of your VSL script uh, ready. And you want to offer people the option to read instead of watching video because, you know, there's a lot of times people either just don't like video or they are not in a position to watch video. They might be at work, sneaking it in on the job. They might be uh, have a, a sleeping spouse in bed next to them. You know, all kinds of scenarios where text is just a better option. Yeah. And is the, is the, the long form sales letter still kind of in vogue? Does it still work? Because I'm just asking, because I don't think I've ever bought anything. I don't think I've ever read an entire long form sales letter yeah. and bought a product. So, I mean, it must be effective because everyone uses it, but. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you know, I'm a copywriter and I look at like really long sales letters and go, oh my Lord, like who could read all this? Yeah, you know, I just don't have the, the time or attention span. But you see very modern marketers like, you know, Ramit Sadie uh, doing it and it was working incredibly well from him. Uh, he's a guy who tests a lot of stuff. Uh, Derek Halpern, you know, people like this who are very, very engaged, very video friendly, you know, very modern marketers mm -hmm. who still default to the long uh, form sales letter. So yeah, it definitely still works. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and, you know, a big factor is how engaged is your audience? Um, I know for me, like, it's not that I would never buy something if it had a long uh, sales page as a consumer, yeah. I wouldn't discount it because it has a page like that, but I would probably not need to consume all that information in order to buy. And that's sort of the point of those long form sales letters. It's like, well, tell the whole story to every prospect because you don't know, you know, where somebody's going to be on the spectrum of what they need from you. Right. So make sure it's in there. Um, 
And so that's, that's critical. Um, uh, and, you know, but I think the, the thing that we're going to see going forward is that you, you're, you're going to need to sort of chunk that stuff off and deliver it in, in different places. I will say that studies show that, you know, millennials think long form sales pages are uh, douchey is actually the term they use. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I think there, there, there is potentially a time coming when people will see a page like that and flat out not buy just because it's presented that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's one of the dividing lines I think that's upon us in the next five years that, you know, we're just going to have to, it's, it's more about for millennials. It's about who are you in their world? You know, are, are you, are you being endorsed by other people? Is there quick evidence that people in their peer group also subscribe to you? Are you being, you know, uh, transparent uh, with people? Do you happen to see that latest viral video for the guy in the uh, shirtless dude with all the tattoos and a long beard and his apron, and he's out barbecuing and he's telling you what it takes to 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 you know get in shape? No, I haven't seen that one. Okay, um, I, I can't remember the the you know, the guy's name is or anything, but if anybody's seen this video, it's, it's amazing, Barry, to look at how viral this thing is. Uh, if you look at the comments, it's all just people tagging their friends. Yeah. You got to see this, got to see this, got to see this. Yeah. And it's got like 119,000 shares. Can you imagine <laughs> creating a video? I mean, what? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so raw and transparent. And this guy's got such a personality. You know what it is? It's the antithesis of every formal pitch that anybody's ever made to you about what it takes to lose weight when they're, even if they do a good job of it, the way this guy presented it makes everyone else look like they're just trying to manipulate you yeah. or trying way too hard to win you over to their system or their plan. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a great example of what it's going to look like in the future. And, and that kind of validation, not only that level of transparency, but that level of endorsement from somebody's peers that everybody's seeing this, everybody's recommending it. And therefore it must be genuine. It's almost like all the noise in the media, right? So, you know, you can't, you know, all the tweets and the Facebook posts and the videos and yada, yada, yada have become mm -hmm. kind of like the, the 8,000 word long form sales letter. You know, there's so many pitches mm -hmm. out there. So how do you cut through, cut through all the noise to find the ones that might be relevant to you? And I think you, it's almost like crowdsourcing through the 8,000 words to find the five bullets that are actually going to sell you. You know, you're saying, oh, 40 of my friends have liked this video. So you're right. That validates that message and I'll pull it out of the noise and spend some time looking at it. Yeah. Good point. Right. It not only validates that it's, it, it, it might be worth their attention if they were looking, but just as importantly, they don't want to be left out yeah. and they go, Oh wait, why are all my friends? They all know about this. Yeah. Why don't I know about this? Yeah. I better spend some time with it. Yeah. Very good point. But again, I guess at the end of the day, it's all those, all those direct marketing techniques, you know, still apply. It's just a matter of how you tweak them to, I guess what you said before, your ideal customer, you know, I mean, everybody seems to be in the marketing space that in the last kind of 12 months, everyone seems to be talking about, you know, you got to have a continuity program. You got to have a membership area, you know, like it's some great new thing, 
to, to have. <laughs> when I remember when I was like 15 and getting those, remember those Columbia house ads, you get like 10 oh, yeah. for a dollar. And then all of a sudden you're on their continuity plan to get a new album every month or every two weeks or whatever. It's exactly right. the same. It's just been adapted for kind of a new, new technology and a new era of people. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's exactly the same, or at least in regards to the the thing that's new, I think is a community aspect. Yeah. True, right. True. I, I think that that's the, the, the new element. And again, it's, it's part of that validation. So if somebody says, you know, like, like if copy cheap, were just uh, uh, a free, I guess it doesn't matter if it's paid or not. I mean, if, if somebody's in the club, like everybody wants to get in the club with the one with the line outside. Right. So if you can create some scarcity and, and some barrier of entry, whether it's simply a, a closed Facebook group that they have to get permission or get sort of nominated to get in, or they have to actually, you know, pay money to get in and, and, and come check it out, then, you know, that says something about them that they've chosen to be a part of that club. And then it's, you know, how do you make them feel once they're inside? Do they, are you, you know, confirming and validating that they've made a good choice and that they've sort of found this new home? Um, because, you know, again, it's sort of that, you know, that peer validation that we're all uh, seeking, whether we realize it or not, since, you know, cause Facebook is just part of everybody's life. Yeah. And, uh, we are just trained now to, to gauge what we're supposed to care about by how many people are talking about it. That's right. All right, Kevin, that was really fantastic. I want to, uh, really thank you for coming on, sharing all that great stuff with the listeners. So if there are people like me who want to get better, um, at copywriting and become a better wordsmith, what's the best way for them to start? Yeah, I'd come right to copychief.com and they can uh, download uh, for free my book called The 60 Second Sales Hook. And that'll give them that formula. Uh, we didn't go into the details of it, but it's a uh, it's a joke formula I took from my days as a stand up. And I just changed the last part of it to make it a really effective sales hook, uh, s- sort of sales messaging tool. And it's fantastic for your about page on your website, or if you have a lead magnet that you want to present uh, people with, it's really the perfect kind of message for that. So go grab the free book, 60 Second Sales Hook. If you want to check out Copy Chief, I keep the price pretty low for you to come, you know, roll the dice on a month and you'll get lots of great stuff inside there. Uh, Yeah. If you could maybe just for the listeners expand on what Copy Chief is and what happens inside that community, that'd be great. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. Copy Chief is uh, two things. It's it's a training center. Uh, so if you just want more stuff like the 60-second sales hook, uh, I mentioned the question authority worksheet is in there. Um, all kinds of, you know, simple formulas and templates to make copywriting easier for you. Then we have trainings with those worksheets. Uh, so that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of is, is uh, a community where you can post up a new copy you've written based on these worksheets or existing copy uh, that you've been running for years and you just want feedback on it to see how you could bring it back to life or raise your conversions, you can post it up for the community and you'll get top-level feedback from other professional copywriters and other business owners. And I guess the third element is that you could treat it like a marketplace. If you know you could use a professional copywriter in your life, but you're really kind of skeeved at the idea of 
having to go completely blindly into somebody's world (laughs) and uh, pay them money and have no idea if what they're giving you back is even good or not, then Copy Chief solves that by giving you a baseline education about what good copy looks like and giving you direct access to professional copywriters who you're not having a hire blindly, but you're interacting with first before you ever decide that that might be somebody you want to work with. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, the Truth About Marketing podcast, Kevin's new podcast, uh, I'd urge everybody to check it out. Really great stuff there too. Thanks, Barry. Appreciate that. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate you sharing your time with us. And we'll see you over at copychief.com. Thanks, man. Thanks, brother. See you. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. You can find all the show notes over at theactivemarketer.com forward slash Kevin. And while you're there, I'd urge you to check out our newly updated ninja guide to tagging everything you need to know about how to use tags in your marketing automation so head over to theactivemarketer.com download that free guide and get started straight away i'll see you next week in the meantime get out there and design automate and scale your business to the next level with sales and marketing automation see everyone thanks for listening to the active marketer podcast you can find the show notes and all the latest marketing automation news over at theactivemarketer.com